This podcast is sponsored by Cornish Sea Salt. Hello and welcome to Five O'Clock Apron Podcast. I'm chef and food writer Claire Thompson. Join me and my guests recording and cooking from their home kitchens, sharing recipes as we chop and chat. I'm in Bristol in Redland and I'm walking to one of my very good friend Ellen's houses and we're going to be recording an episode of my podcast today, cooking in her lovely kitchen. So I'm just coming up the stairs now and Ellen's doorbell has been like this for about five years. It doesn't really work. You have to get the jiggle right. <laughs> I can hear her coming up the stairs now. Hi Claire. Hi Ellen. Come on in. Are you ready for some cake? I'm ready to eat the apple cake. Come right, down. we're going downstairs. Yeah. So um, I want to come and I want to cook with you and I want you to show me a recipe that you love and you make often enough. And um, tell me what you'd like to cook today. Uh, well, Claire, I think you're going to be a bit upset about what I'm making because um, I'm going a bit off-piste and I'm going freestyle and okay. I'm just making what I like to make. Uh, normally with people around and it's a bit unexpected or maybe I'm thinking that I haven't quite got enough food to cook tea for everyone and so I want to bulk it up a little bit and I make up a cake and I do remember we met a long time ago and I made this cake and actually I didn't know you that well I didn't know what quite what a chef you were and so I was just my normal self and did what I always did and you liked it and that was a really really nice thing for me so I'm really happy to cook it for you again. Well do you know what I mean even if it had been awful I probably would have said I liked it wouldn't I? Because I was trying to so be your friend. So you saying all this time you liked me? <laughs> I was trying to be your friend, wasn't I? So um, I remember spotting you in the park when we both had small children and you had a punnet of strawberries. And I remember thinking, oh, I'd like to be friends with her. She looks interesting. So here we are 10 years later. Yeah. And um, you and your job is nothing to do with food at all, is it really? No, no, not at all. And I wouldn't even say I was foodie. I'm not a particularly good cook. I'm a sort of like hit and miss cook, really. Mm-hmm. But I do cook every day, obviously, like uh, we all have to. So I'm not a foodie. I'm actually um, an academic. And um, so, yeah, I've got nothing to do with food in my professional life. We're in your kitchen in Bristol. Yeah. And um, it's a normal working day. You're working from home and you've got some ingredients in to cook. And yeah. I'd like you to tell me what the ingredients are. OK, so this is what normally would happen. Is I'd have some extra people and i think, oh, my goodness, what have I got? So obviously you need some butter. Right. How much butter? We don't know. You're well, just by like, eye. By eye. I'd say like a fistful. Okay. I think I do this in fists. <laughs> right. OK, okay. brilliant. So I've Love got that. some butter. I know that I'm going to mix it up a bit, so I'm just going to cut it up. Right. It's quite soft, but I'm just cutting it into And we're just bits. doing this over a bowl, standing at your kitchen table. Yeah. The and laptop's there, the cup of tea's there. It's like family life here and the other thing the other reason I think I started cooking like this is because so if you've got loads of people around and then you suddenly like you turn away and you've got your back to everyone it's really antisocial isn't it if you're going to the worktop and I could do this at the kitchen table you can be chatting you can just carry on and you don't need to think about it too much (laughs) and also I cannot I'm like sorry to tell you this but I find following recipes really really difficult I like I read them and then I just forget where I am and then I miss out like step four and then I've put all this effort in, paid all the money for all these ingredients and then I've missed the vital step and I ruin it. And 
that never happens with this kind of cake. So that's interesting that you say that because as a, as a, someone who cooks for, for my career, I cook like that, savoury dishes that you have to sort of use your initiative and there's a nuance in adding more salt or more spice or what have you. But baking, to my mind, is much more sort of scientific and that you have to have these exacting things. That but you... why is that? Exactly. So this is why it's very interesting that you take that principle and do it in sweet cooking because baking and like making a cake there's more sort of prescriptive way to cooking it but i think that's because we've got different criteria so your criteria is oh it's got to have like a particular fluffiness or something like that my criteria for cooking this is one there's got to be enough yeah two it's it's got to be sweet and probably i can't i'm kind of thinking as long as it's properly cooked if it's too sweet then i put some i'll serve it with some yogurt if it's not sweet enough you just pour a bit of sugar on the top right so my criteria is that everyone's happy and everyone feels they've got something sweet at the end whereas you're thinking about how fluffy it is i am thinking of it as uh, how perfect can it be but that's 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 us coming at cooking from two very different professions and that's yeah. what's so interesting about food i want i want the people who sat at my table and there's quite a lot of often kids to have something at the end and they feel like oh that's yeah. what I want. That's yeah. the moment I'm after. Like, oh, that felt nice. And it's cozy. So I've got some... I've got some... A fistful of butter. I've got some butter. And then I need some sugar. And I normally just use whatever's in the cupboard. Right. So I've just got some caster sugar. Golden caster sugar. So I'm kind of thinking... I know enough about cakes to know you need roughly <laughs> half... Half and half. It's like the same weight, isn't it? Right, of yes. butter and sugar together. Yeah, broadly. So I've just shoved some sugar on there. So and that's half and half by eye. By eye. Listeners, not by weight. Okay. Okay, so I... I've got that and then I'm going to have to go and get my this is going to be the noisy bit so what's behind this curtain in the other part of your kitchen Ellen ah this is where I I keep the things I don't use very often your pantry loosely right so um, tell me if you need any help at all um, no I I think I'm fine because I've got an aid of a mixer right okay so so you've got a mixer I am mixing and this is it Perhaps I wouldn't always do this because it's a bit noisy, isn't it? And it's very nice. And if you've got people around, it's a bit antisocial. What would you just do? It beat it with a spoon. Yeah. Okay. Can't get this in. Okay. There you go. All right. Okay. So this right. bit's going to be a bit noisy. Sorry. Need to plug it in. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. So we're plugging that in. We've got our butter and our sugar. Maybe you're just creaming that, really, aren't you? Bringing that together. In chef world, we'd be like, oh, you're just making that into a nice, fluffy, creamy pile. But Okay, so I've kind of creamed that together. Yeah. And then some eggs, obviously. Can't have a cake without eggs. Right. So I'm just going to put in... I've got... I, I think for this amount, I'm going to need about three eggs. Okay. Yep, go for it. Three eggs. So I'm just putting them in. And are you, um, you worrying about the splitting of I the I don't worry about it splitting. <laughs> I know that people go on about the splitting business, yeah. but like maybe I'm just not refined enough, but I never notice the difference if it's split. Like what, what does it do if it splits? What's, what is the thing when it gets out that you, how do you know that the egg has split when you're eating the cake? What does it do? Well, I suppose as soon as you put the flour in, it stabilises it, doesn't it? So you don't need to really worry about it. There's that bung it all in one method yeah. where you put it all in a bowl and beat it all together at the same time. Yeah. 
But then there's the thinking that if you're beating the flour, you're making it tough. Okay. So, so I don't wouldn't do that. So I just, I, for some reason, I do put the eggs in one at a time. Right. But I'm not really sure why that is. That's okay. probably just, you know. It's just learned I've read that I don't spend too. I'm not spending too long on each one. Oh, I need another egg. No, you're not spending too long because um, what you know, you work from home like so many of us do these days. So um, fitting this sort of cooking in around your around around your working life and your kids coming home from school or your mum coming home, whatever it is that you've got to do, you know, you've got to fit this stuff in, haven't you? Is there a certain time of the day that you cook, or is it really just managing the juggle? Um, it is. I I I don't really think about what I'm going to cook until it comes to the moment. Um, I have tried planning and that didn't really seem to work very well. So I really, I come home, I've been trying to work not at home recently because it drives me a bit mad. Uh, so come home and uh, and then I'm thinking, open the fridge and think, all oh, right, what are we going to cook? So then it will get thrown in. Normally, if I'm going to cook something like this, I'll probably do this first and then have it in the oven while I'm cooking tea and then it's sort of ready right. yeah. at the end. Yeah. So... Um, yeah, everything for me, it's very improvised, I would say, my cooking. So when you're shopping for your ingredients that live in your kitchen, yeah, do you use the same thought process that it just comes in bits and bobs throughout the week or do you go for a weekly shop with some ideas of what you're going to cook with that in mind? I, I just go shopping and I look and think, oh, that looks nice. Courgettes would be good. And I think I have a, I have a sort of an idea. <laughs> Have something courgettes at some point. <laughs> okay. It's not very good, is it? Yeah, no, it's great, great. Courgettes, love courgettes. Okay, okay, so okay, right. other egg. Other egg. Okay. Okay, so that's all the horrible, noisy bit done. Right. So maybe I would or maybe I wouldn't use the blender depending on who's around. The apples is the main main event. So normally I'll go over to my fruit bowl. Right. And I'll find whatever's there. Okay. Uh, and use that. And I find that this is when I use the oldest looking of apple course. that's least likely to be eaten. Yes. Ones with bruises and things like that because... The children would quibble at that, wouldn't yeah. they? So. And someone told me, I don't know whether it's true, that um, apples with bruises in, the bruises have got more sugar. <laughs> that might not be true. I feel I like there's some sort of science that works in my brain with that. So I've got two small cooking apples and a normal eater. So, so this is quite happily. Well, uh, okay, well, you and can And then you do. can chop them. Uh, I would say that quite often as a, like when I'm doing this, what I like to try and Ooh. do, and you might not know this. Oh, Ellen. Is I love to try and peel it all in one ribbon. Right. Do you know? So you don't break it. Do you think you can do Something that? Something quite pleasing about that. Yeah, no pressure. My perfect apple apple ribbon so why is that do you do that for every apple that you ever peel no but i, I don't know this is like a personal challenge All right okay i like it i'm here for it. i'm here for the challenge okay i'm still on apple peeling i love things like that about food you know that you have little rituals that you do in the kitchen i feel like are you going to chop these or grate these apples i'm, I'm, I'm going to chop i'm going to chop the um eat the cookers and i'm actually going to Great, the, the eater. Woohoo, did it. So then it's like, there's a little bit different. So I'm kind, yeah. of, I'm kind of thinking that the eater's going to give it a bit of sweetness. Right. Whereas the cooker's going to give it a little bit of substance. So I want that to be chunky. And the cookers, in my brain with apples, the cookers cook fluffy, don't they? And sort of break down. So good to be 
in the batter and then the eaters sort of stay yeah, more intact. Yeah, so it's got something, a bit of a bit of, a bit of yeah. something going on. All right. So Randomly just chopping these up. We're not got really, any... really not thinking about that too There's much. no uniform dice going <laughs> on here. Okay. Um, and no. so we've got that. There we go. Do you don't want this peeled or you do want this peeled? Um, no, I, w I think I would peel it actually, but would you? Does this peel cook down? I think I would peel You're it. You're going to grate it this one, yeah. sorry. Oh, no, I'd just grate it like that. Okay. Well, let's do it that way then. And also, you know, with food waste and, yeah. and cooking and all that, the less we peel things, probably the better. It's my thinking. I never peel ginger, for example. Do you no. ever peel ginger? Well, what I understood was the skin's quite fiery and I quite like that. Is that yeah. Right? And it's got all the roughage and stuff in it, hasn't okay. it? So, okay. Batter. Apples. Yeah. So, we've got a batter, but we need some, obviously, we need some flour. Yes. So, um, would you like me to line your cake tin? Oh, yeah. Look, I've got a square of... Okay. Um, Great. And I'll then do that. There's a bit of butter in the packet if you want to, it to stick it down. I normally, this is quite, I normally just use whatever flour I've got. Of course again, you do. Self-raising flour. So I'm just going to stick some in. <laughs> and I kind of, um, and, uh, and quite often I, you know, you end up with little packets of like odd bits of flour. So right. I've got some buckwheat flour. So I'm just going to stick a bit of that in. I love using flours like that. I love using all the different flours. Yeah. And like sometimes I'll have like, I don't know, whatever I've got. Just because I think it makes it a bit more... I don't know, interesting and complex. And I'm not going for a fancy, fluffy no. thing. So it doesn't really matter. And some cinnamon, because I really love cinnamon. Yep. So I'm just going to stick a load of cinnamon in. So I reckon that's probably like two teaspoons. Well, I would always put a bit of salt in sweet things, you know, to bring out the flavour of the sweetness. But you've used salted butter, so that's good. Okay. So now I'm just mixing it together. Right. Um, I might put a bit more flour in because the apples kind of are quite wet, aren't they? So just a little <laughs> more than if I didn't have apples in a cake. Right, okay, yep. So I love I'll it. There's, a bit more there's no recipe cake better. Oh, I'll probably put a bit much in, so I might just tip a bit out. That's <laughs> <laughs> why I'm friends with you, Ellen. <laughs> okay, so look, we've got our last right, perfect. Piece of nice bit of. Okay. Right, so now we need to, I think, grate the apple okay. in first. Have you got the graters in there? In here. Right, get this grater straight into the batter. Straight in. Skin on. Yeah. I love cooking other people's recipes because you just learn something. Like, I, I just remember seeing you make this cake and I just thought, as someone who cooks often and has a sort of knowledge of food and cooking and the temperature required and the timings and stuff, to be able to do this, I think, is a skill that lots of people seem to not have these days, I would say. I think part of it is actually confidence as well, because I think a lot of people lose confidence unless it's written down and told exactly what to do. Then they're like, oh, I, I don't really know. And it's just like, oh, yeah, you do. It's just a bit of cake. Just make it. Don't worry about it too much. It's not going to be eaten in like 20 minutes. Okay, so I've mixed that in. And then the other thing I like to put in is a bit of a bit of lemon. Right. So I'm not use it anyway. So I'm just um, grating a bit of lemon rind in. Yeah. But if no. you didn't have the lemon, you wouldn't worry, would you? No. Sometimes I might put some ginger or some nutmeg or some other spices in, but I'm just feeling cinnamon today. Who taught you to cook like this, Ellen? Did you make cakes with your mum or your granny or I whatnot? Did, well, do you know what? I didn't really make cakes with my mum. My mum did make cakes on birthdays. I'm just sticking all the rest of the apple in. And I'm also just thinking while I do that that is a little bit, it's going to be quite sour. Right. So I'm, I'm just going to stick while I put it in. I'm just like coating it in a bit of 
I can tell the way that you're reacting to the process of this cake being made in this bowl that you've done this so many times you could have have this knowledge deep within you that this is the right thing to do. So you don't want sour apples. So we're going over the apples with some crunchy demerara sugar. About maybe three tablespoons. Yeah, just yeah. to give them that and it's sort of coated on them a little bit. Yeah. So it's gonna kick in. Oh, I've got the mixing bowl on my laptop. On your laptop <laughs> with your Anyway, I was saying my mum probably cooked cakes for birthdays and for Christmas and that was it. But that meant that it left a little space in my life for me to actually have to climb up onto a stool to reach the mixer and make cakes, which I did a lot when I was little. How little are we talking that you Oh, like five, six. Do you know what I mean? Because I had older sisters, so I'd watch them do it. So from very early, I knew how to make a cake and I would have to make them. So that's probably why I know that you know. So five is quite well, early to be might, making a cake. I might have been I might be making that up. But I do remember being little and climbing up to make it, you know, and but but also knowing like what to put in. And so do you feel now with your own children that this sort of like way with food, this kind of like I would say this confidence to be able to cook like this. Do you think that's transferred down to your children? Yeah, I think so, because I think you... Um, just going to open this oven? Top. Top. Yeah. I think that you just, you model that behaviour, don't you? You model it. And I put it on. I Normally, if I was making a normal cake without apples and stuff in it, I'd do it. I thought you meant normal cake, like, with a recipe. <laughs> <laughs> no, if it didn't have apples, I'd do it at, like, 180, right. I reckon. But because I know it's got apples in it and they take a little bit longer... I'd probably just turn it down a bit and, and do it at like 170. Okay. And then I'm thinking, whereas without apples, it would be like 25 minutes. I'm probably thinking this is going to take more like 30, 35 minutes. So, Ellen, you've got a bit of a magnet collection going on here on your oven. Yeah, these are all the places my mother has been. Okay. And I haven't. So just interesting. Saying. Does she always bring you one back when she comes back from her, her trip? Yeah, yeah, it's to remind me of all the places she's been. So we've got Western Supermare. Oh, yeah, I've been there. <laughs> we've got Antigua. We've got... A... Oh, my brother bought that one back from Antigua, hey, yeah. I love yeah. that. I love a, I love a fridge magnet. <laughs> um, so the cake is in the oven. Yeah. And we're going to just... Well, we'll have a little sit down now. Maybe have a cup of tea. So this is the time where we have a cup of tea and we discuss our love life. Uh, this is me interviewing you 10 years ago about food. Ellen was podcasting before podcasts even became a thing, really. You had Bristol Kitchen Radio and you would interview and invite all these brilliant people into your kitchen. And like you said, your kitchen was always just kind of hubbub of activity. There was musicians, there was cooks, there were all these people here. And you would be interviewing them about what they did in your kitchen here in Bristol. I did that podcast with Vic and I think we were just a bit ahead of the curve. Way ahead of the curve, yeah. I remember trying to explain what podcasts were and often people could only say the word in an American accent because it was so strange and foreign that they couldn't even bring themselves to say it in an English accent. Isn't that weird? Yeah, kudos to you that, you know, we all sort of thought audio or radio was sort of dying its day and everyone would be watching more and more TV. But I think the way we work from home so much more these days and the way we listen and the way devices have helped us listen more and that's why I think this rise in podcasting has come about really people are running with you know earphones they're working from home with earphones on and I feel like because of all that happening 
it means that radio and audio is more important than ever, really. And I love the idea of you going out and doing what all of us are doing all over the country and all over the world, is there are people in their kitchen cooking and, if they're lucky, talking. Yeah, and as a chef, which is what I am first and foremost, I suppose, is that interaction and that transferal of knowledge that you know a recipe and I want to see that recipe in action. I want to learn that recipe. And the only way to do that is to be taught that recipe by someone who knows that recipe. So I feel like there's this massive, like it's going to be like being a kid in a sweet shop. I can just go anywhere and go, teach me what you know. And then I can learn that recipe from someone and and, and talk to them about why and, and how they enjoy that recipe. And then do that great thing, which is then show other people how they can make it too. And so you become a sort of a link in that chain, don't you? Mm, yeah, endless. An endless loop of food and eating. So Ellen, your cake's in the oven. Yeah. And we're just sitting here having a cup of tea, talking about food. And I've sat in this kitchen and had so many meals with you over the years. But um, we've been listening to a recording of of us cooking 10 years ago together. Yeah. And sort of the thing that we've come up with about which is so lovely about all that is that there's these moments of time that we all sit in the kitchen and we're just eating, meeting each other, chatting. It's like time passes. It can be one week like this and it, and three months' time it'll be the same thing. We'll do it again. Yeah. And it all centres on something about food that we need to eat something at that moment, whether it's a cup of tea and a biscuit or a piece of cake or dinner. And it's never going to change, is that? Because no. you meet for a cup of tea. I think that's something amazing about that is the, something amazing about food and it's something connected to biology. It's obviously a function of being a human is that food is such a pleasure. Otherwise, we wouldn't keep doing it, would we? So fundamentally, when we're hungry, we're eating food almost like for the first time, aren't we? And it's got that excitement. Like we never get bored of, 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 of food and eating because it's satisfying something so major. But for me, the real satisfaction, I think, like I, I've said to you just now before, it's that, it's that social part of it, isn't it? It's just being with other people and eating together. And that's like a daily pleasure. I love that. So it could be you know, beans and toast, a piece of cake, you yeah. know, a ramen or a cup of tea and a biscuit, whatever it is. It's this sort of interaction of us being together around your kitchen table. Yeah. But then also life changes, doesn't it? So when I, like when we recorded that 10 years ago, I had four children in the house. My husband was living here, my mum. I can't remember if we had a lodger or not, but there were lots of people around. Always busy, this kitchen. Always loads of people, always loads of people coming in and out. But it's not like that anymore. And I think lockdown really changed. And then children getting older changes. Divorce. Divorce changes. All those things have changed. And now there is like sometimes there's one evening on a Monday and I don't have to cook. And oh, my God, I love it. And I'll just have like a bowl of cereal my tea oh my word because I don't I don't (laughs) want to cook I cook all the time I just literally don't want to be hungry and do something else and that's that's a change and you know but you would never have dreamt of saying that 10 years ago when you had little children home from school that needed to be fed tea and whatnot what give them a bowl of cereal would you well (laughs) (laughs) like uh, you know there's nothing else in you don't want to be hungry. Maybe I'd make a special thing. Let's have breakfast with tea and then you make okay. it exciting. Oh, Ellen, you've always been like that. You are amazing for that sort of thing. Hence the no recipe, throw it all together, apple cake, which was, it was electrifying to watch. Thanks. Should we have a look how much it's got left in the oven? 
there's only one way to tell, and that's the old-fashioned stick a knife in it way. You're going to look at it and go, oh, my God. No, I'm not. You are. I'm, I'm slightly worried about what you're going to say now. This is the moment of jeopardy. There's always a moment of jeopardy in cooking, and that's what keeps people on their toes. Let's go. Come on. Uh, don't be alarmed. It's fine. Oh, my word. Looks great, doesn't it? Yeah, I think that looks good. The the the, the butter is bubbling around. The... I think there's probably a bit, a bit much butter, but also there's a lot of liquid in it because it's... Um, it's got a lot of butter lot in of it. Apples. <laughs> well, it's got a lot of apples and they're quite liquidy, aren't they? Let's have a, let's... And that's going to bubble down. So we'll leave it for a minute. Oh, man, I think we're there. I mean, it it looks like a one of those Dorset apple cakes, doesn't yeah. it? That, and I think probably that's at the back of my mind. A Dorset apple cake? Yeah. I think that looks great. How are you going to plate this in restaurant speak? <laughs> I'm going to put the plate quite near it. Right. Um... I could have turned it upside down, but I've got that nice crunchy top. So yeah, I think that's it. So I'm just going to plonk it. Like that. So I just plonk it on a plate. Look at that, it's perfect. I actually, I am, yeah, amazed. <laughs> it worked. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's a chunky chop on the apple, but I think that's good. Yeah. Looks good. Should we have a little taste of it? Mmm, mm, that apple's lovely. Mmm. <laughs> <laughs> I think that looks great. You know what? Custard, cream, yogurt. You can go anywhere with this. You can go anywhere with that. <laughs> Sliced cold the next day, it's going to be great. And that is, that is a bomb-proof cake. Mm. And the crunch of top really makes it. And it's more like a pudding, I'd say, than a cake, would you say? Yeah. I think this is more pudding than cake. Um, Maybe if you wanted to make it more cakey, you'd just put a bit less apple in. Yeah. You know? But the point of the no recipe apple cake is that you just do what's in front of you on any given day. It's a just... bit like life. It's going to come out how it comes out. Yeah. Never a truer word said. Thank you, Ellen. Um, it's been really lovely cooking your no recipe apple cake with you. And I can't wait for people to have the recipe. I don't know how that works, but... Um, it's a philosophy. A philosophy a... on baking by Ellen Hughes. Thanks very much. <laughs> this podcast was sponsored by Cornish Sea Salt. Thanks for listening. You can find me on Instagram at Five O'Clock Apron. Credits. This podcast was produced by Ellen Hughes and Victoria Stevens and is a BKR production.